Welcome to I'm Anxious About, a podcast where two friends commiserate about our respective anxieties on a new topic each week. I'm Christopher Mitchell. And I'm Allison Green. And today we are anxious about festivals. Let's let me collect myself and act like I didn't just make a fool. How are you doing today, Chris? How are you doing today, Chris? On a scale of? Oh, fucking hell. Okay. Whew. All right. So today, today we are a hot mess. Um, and I was going to say hot fucking mess because we were going to try to see if we can like not be explicit, but I don't think that is possible um, <laughs> we'll just tag it if yeah, we have to <laughs> exactly all right so today we are going to be talking about festivals the different kinds of festivals that we like or dislike spoiler alert i dislike almost every kind of festival and the ways in which festivals make us anxious um, but before we dive into the heart of the episode we always like to check in with one another see how it's been in the last week since we last chatted on the podcast. So Chris, I wanted to ask you on a scale of one to someone knocking over the beer that you just spent 30 minutes waiting in line for, how are you doing today? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, that's a very, like, that's one of those like visceral descriptions that when yeah. you say that, I'm like, Oh, you I know, know I could you know. feel it. I could feel the cringe and like almost like the beer splashing on your shoes as you're like, is it legal yeah. to strangle you right now? No? Yeah, and oh. you know the festival goer would be like, oh, bro, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then just like walk away and you're like, how could you? That was how the most Canadian you? sorry you've ever admitted. I loved every every second of it. Well, I was trying to explain. I mean, so my husband doesn't understand how Americans and Canadians can't really tell each other's accents apart that much, or at least I can't. And I was trying to explain how it was in the vowel sounds, like in the mm -hmm. O's and the A's and the sories. And I, yeah. I I kept trying to say it, but I just kept sounding like I was like saying the word like sorry, like uh, the Indian garment, but like in a very like mocking way. And I was like, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say sorry, like a Canadian. And it just wasn't coming out. So um, that aside was very necessary. And yeah. now continue to please tell me how you are. <laughs> well, I won't be saying sorry anymore. Um, <laughs> ever. Yeah. So I, I'm feeling not too shabby today. Um, to be honest with you, I, I think mentally I feel pretty good, but physically I'm just a little jittery. Like the, I usually wake up and, um, and take some time to, I like check my phone a little bit, but like not in ways that are going to stress me out, just more to like see if there's anything I really have to address. And then I do some meditation and some stretching and stuff like that. And this morning I kind of had to like just get going right away and fire right out of the rocket, so to speak. And uh, are we going to use I, all space metaphors in this episode? I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but we'll see. I'll, well, let's, let's relaunch. Okay. Um, so. 
Also, the theme of this podcast seems to be me interrupting you. So apologies. Okay, so we'll continue with that. (laughs) And interrupt on three, two. No. um, (laughs) So uh, to to get back on track after that rude American interruption. um, Freedom. Did did you interrupt me again? I mean, I just had to to say freedom. <laughs> oh gosh. So, um yeah, uh I'm feeling pretty good, but I just I I basically got out of bed today, got straight to work and I um I padded that already potentially anxiety-inducing scenario with um with a lot of caffeine. And for me, I don't really drink coffee. I just drink tea. But this morning I didn't have time or not that I didn't have time, but like I'm kind of like low on loose leaf tea. And so I just like threw a few of those like lethal orange Pico bags in there that like make, (laughs) they make your tea like jet black. Yeah. And kind of jacks you up a little bit. It's like, oh, it jacks you. It's like the kind of tea that you have like at a like a Chinese restaurant for dim sum. And then you like, you accidentally drink two pots of it and you're like, whoa, I am like slightly high. Was was there some amphetamine in this tea? Yeah. Well, that's like kind of the way I felt. So I was, I, so uh, this morning I had, of course, you know, cause it's Thursday. So the webinar stuff. Um, and so I had the webinar going on. I was, posting the episode from this morning for I'm anxious about I was doing like 64 things with this tea and I, I it was just I felt like a jacked up act octopus I was just like ah you know like just like arms everywhere going crazy and then I kind of occurred to me like I might uh probably shouldn't have drank that whole pot of tea yeah. <laughs> so Classic. I think like mentally feeling pretty good because I'm um, going up north again on Saturday to get some time away from the city and uh, get some space to to, to think and all that good stuff um but at the same time i did drink too much caffeine and i can't speak for listeners but for me like caffeine's a bit of a it's a bit of a dangerous balancing act like it just is. enough caffeine especially with green teas like for me is fine but like if i go too deep like it it can be a little dangerous you know? oh yeah absolutely anxiety caffeine and anxiety can really be a delicate balance that is always that I'm always trying to go just like a little too far on, you know, like it's like four times a week. Sorry. And and do go too far with like four times a week. Oh yeah, absolutely. So um yeah, that was that was yesterday for me. So um yeah, I get you there. Anyway, all right. So go ahead and ask me. Oh, okay, yeah. So so I should say that I think Generally, I'm I, I'm a probably like a five just because of the sheer caffeine. Yes, that's that's fair. And, and you uh, on a scale of I can't remember the exact wording, but something about zero or one to um, somebody spilling your beer after you've waited in in a horrible sunny festival line for an eternity. Yes, um, I think I'm about a six. I think that scale has to be like at a bit of a curve because that's such a horrendous feeling. So I'm yeah, sort of adjusting correct. the number to account for that horror. Um, <laughs> I have really struggled this week. Um, I have both anxiety and depression, as I've mentioned before, which is just a bundle of fun. And um, it's a real great combo. Um, really, really wonderful. And, and Robin. 
<laughs> exactly. Only they both want you to die. <laughs> but on that note, um, on Monday or Tuesday, I really was sort of just like going off the deep end, just totally... Just like I've been having a lot of homesickness, um, being kind of feeling kind of stuck here in Bulgaria, not knowing when it'll be safe for me to return home. And I don't have health insurance back in the U.S. because I don't live there. So that adds like another layer of complication. And it was just kind of like dawning on me that like I'm probably not going to be able to go home and see my family for like a year. And it's already been like a year and a half since I've seen my mom. So I've just been struggling with like a lot of sort of hopelessness and stuckness, stuckity. What's the word? I shall, I shall accept it. Okay. Uh, let's not do stuckity. I think stuckness is better. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've been I feeling... Stuckity a bit though too. I've been feeling rather stuckity lately and... Um, <laughs> I guess, yeah, a lot of my anxiety does stem, as we've spoken before, from, like, a place of powerlessness and, like, wanting the outcome to be different but lacking any tools to actually make it different. And so that kind of just, like, convalesced in a glorious, like, anxiety, depression, maelstrom. Um, So that was really fun. I've kind of been, like, recovering from that for the rest of the week. You know how, like, when you have, like, one, like, really shit-tastic day, you almost have, like, a hangover from it for a couple of days, and you're, like, just trying to sort of get back to whatever your equilibrium is. That's kind of yeah. been how my week is, and I kind of reached my equilibrium again yesterday, but then I couldn't fall asleep at all last night I was up until six in the morning and then I sort of whenever I fuck up my sleep cycle again then that sort of sets me on this like guilt anxiety loop where I'm mad at myself for not sleeping properly and getting a late start and ruining my day blah 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 so you know I'm I'm at about a six right now and yeah it hasn't been the best but you know I got through it and I'm here now. So yeah, there we exactly. go. And I'm not at a music festival. So I think it's a win all around. <laughs> it's a huge win. And I also I also love that you like your number probably would have been a little bit higher, but because it's just so devastating to wait for so long in the line yeah. and have the beer spilled that it just it couldn't be anything I like I couldn't in good faith put it at an eight. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean I, I think I think it's this is um it's good to start the podcast this way because we can just talk about the way that different things are affecting us. And I think one thing that's just going to become air apparent is that, um, you know, if it's always a bit of a roller coaster and, and most of what anxiety is or just mental health in general is trying to get back to some equilibrium. Um, even if there doesn't always feel like there is an equilibrium, you just kind of trying to take little, little steps, like trying to, to make small moves to, to feel a little bit better, you know, yeah. and, and, and so it's just all part of it, but I'm happy you're here. I'm sure everyone else is happy you're here and, uh, and I'm sure you're happy you're not at a festival. Oh my God. I'm so happy that I'm not at a festival. I can't even explain to you. Like a lot of the episodes that we've done on the show, like the beach restaurants, uh, movies, that sort of thing. I have some anxiety around the topic, but overall if you had to like you had you forced me to assign like a positive or negative value to them 
it would be a net positive hands down like all those things to me are good things festivals immediately i would say nope no interest nope i don't care pretty much unless it's a wine festival and even then i have some problems i'm not interested like that's pretty much the only kind of festival because i'm expected to just like get my cup filled and walk away that's like (laughs) that's 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 the best case scenario for me but like music festivals and we're going to primarily talk about music festivals but we'll talk about a couple other kinds of festivals as well um music festivals is like where like several of my major anxieties convalesce like I absolutely hate live music um I really really hate crowds I hate small talk and meeting people and I don't like feeling of like being trapped and like overpaying for things and just sort of like having a lack of choices. So sort of a general powerlessness. So to me, um, that's I, I have four fingers up and it's really bothering me that I can't call it a trifecta, like a quatrifecta. Um, a quatrifecta. Yeah, it's like a quatrifecta. Um, yeah, sure. No, and if it was five, it could be a quintet, a quartet. It's a quartet of things that I hate. Um, So there we go. So, so this is, I think this will be another episode where we probably have some, you know, as with meeting new people in the last episode, we'll probably have some different anxieties that are extremely applicable to, to us as people, because there are some things you mentioned there that like, excite me actually like i i kind of enjoy small talk and i like i really like live music because of the way that you can connect to emotion and but there are things that we're going to agree with as well like the uh you know getting gouged with pricing and the huge crowds and i think as you kind of alluded to it really comes back to the fact that helplessness and anxiety don't go very well together and i think you could easily put forth the argument that helplessness and anything, you know, just what, whatever you're dealing with, it doesn't go well together. But I think the problem with anxiety is the, is the tendency to catastrophize. And yeah. so a lot of the time when you're standing there uh, and and everyone's in a crowd looking at the, the music or whatever is going on, you can still be hatching uh, wild and irrational plots in your mind <laughs> of how it could all go wrong. Yeah. So, so. Planning know, for but, stampedes. Yeah. And, and, but I, you know, I think overall, so for me, festivals are, are a net positive, but there are some, it's very, very dependent on the festival. There are yeah. some festivals that I won't go to because I just don't, I guess, um, just to, to dive into the heart of it for me. And then you can kind of comment from there, but I think we'll, we'll get to your, we'll make sure that we address your quartet. But I think for, for me, the, the big problem that I have with festivals is just that, um, a lot of festivals I've seen have just become really hyper commercialized and uh, it's a place to be seen. And I think that uh, it, it can be frustrating for me to see the lack of authenticity around all of it. I like, for example, I went to Bonnaroo in 2011, which I think was, there was still some like remnants of like the old festival culture of like people just going there, didn't have their phones, weren't trying to capture everything. It felt like there were some aspects that I was like, I really dig this. But then I I went with a few people that I worked with at uh, at the pub at Queen's University where I went to school, and it turns out they were like not on the same page with me, and like they were definitely there for uh, 
you know, like they didn't really go to any shows. They were just like there to, and like kind of being like, Ooh, this is so like, I don't know. Like I, I, I can't even describe the best, the best way I can describe it is like they, they weren't really there for the music. They were there to be seen wanting to see the music. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like, and I shouldn't say performative, that. but it's them performing. Yeah. Watching yeah and I should performances. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I can't speak for all of those. If any of those three people are listening, um, I won't mention which one I felt was uh, was very performative, but uh, so, so if you're listening, and you think it might be you. It's not you. Uh, it's the, it's someone else. <laughs> you gave that person. You gave all three of those people who are absolutely definitely listening immense anxiety from from naming them. Just well, I don't want. I don't want to do that. And my my my, my, my stock. <laughs> my soft no i know but my soft canadian heart can't take those kinds of comments i love everybody um i should all i'll say without naming any names is that when i go to a festival um i try to make sure that um there's like an honest intentionality there and so i was really excited to go see the music and stuff like that and um and i was kind of like shocked that i would say it wasn't just them obviously there was a huge portion of the crowd that i felt like was there just to say they were there and i guess that's just a problem i have with in general with some of the things we face in modern life is like, I I'm having a harder and harder time disseminating if people want to be there or want to say they've been there. You know what I mean? I think, yeah. And that happens with travel and Instagram a lot as well. I think it's just sort of like a ripple effect of social media. And like, I've definitely noticed that like I had no desire to go to festivals previously, but, um, Ever since seeing like how corporatized and like influencerized um, to just totally make up words now, since that's apparently my thing, um, <laughs> things like Coachella are where it's like it's almost like a business business trip that people are doing, which is fine. Like I understand that, I guess, from like, you know, the perspective of someone who owns a travel blog, like at some time, at some point some of the things that other normal people enjoy you're doing as a business thing. But I think it does sort of take away from what the original spirit or intention of music festivals were when you make it more of like a backdrop for your self-marketing and self-expression. And when it becomes all about like the costumes and what you wear, I hate costumes, costumes, are probably like one of my like top 10 least favorite things um so Halloween we're on the, is we're like, on the top 10 sorry to interrupt you but like on the top 10 oh, like are we talking like low, are we talking like potential like nine. Co- no okay, like okay. nine like one is bananas like number like three <laughs> is like humans in like mascot suits I really don't like that we could do a whole episode <laughs> on that very similar to costumes no yeah I guess I guess but one is like I'm being forced to wear the costume and then the other is like gotcha a human being who I can't identify is in a costume but is still a human being and could terrorize <laughs> me and I would never know their identity <laughs> okay you know what i will i will totally embrace that distinction i was yeah. i was gonna i was like a, i was thinking i would be able to challenge you and follow, follow up on that but i i feel yeah. like that's a very reasonable distinction <laughs> yeah i i met a few too many like really aggressive characters during my time in new york like you eventually have to go through Times square at some point if you live there and 
and uh, they just started to terrify me. I started to realize that if like one of them like victimized me in any way, I would be like, it was the Elmo. And they'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we can't we can't do anything based on that. And then ever since then, I kind of had a fear of them. But um, <laughs> moving on, um, because that has absolutely nothing to do with festivals. But um, we're doing yeah. a mascots so episode at costume, some point. We have to. I have a lot of feelings about it, but um, maybe that can be like a mini sode because I don't know if I can fill a whole hour. But you know me, I talk a lot, so we'll see. I feel super torn when it comes to costumes. I just feel really stuck about you know. Am I dressing up too much? Like, is this costume, like, both, like, somehow, like, relevant and funny, but not, like, too irreverent to the point where it's, like, insulting or appropriative? I don't want to be, like, too sexualized or too demure. I don't want to be, like, make a reference that no one understands. I also don't want to spend a lot of money and time and thought on this whole thing that I think is just stupid to begin with. So, like, when you started to, when costumes become, like, a part of, like, the festival experience, that just, like, makes festivals go from, like, a one on my interest list to, like, a negative five on my interest list. So, like, I'm very into ranking things today, um, also, it seems. So, interruptions, ranking, and making up words are apparently my jam today. I like it, because... Uh, recently, specifically on the adulting episode, like we got pretty deep and um, we didn't have a lot of the made up words and the and the craziness uh, in the same way. So I can appreciate I can appreciate this. And and of course, I'm pretty well caffeinated today. So all the made up words, everything, all the interruptions, like it feels perfectly natural to me. So hopefully, hopefully the readership will agree. And I wanted to talk about um, I don't costumes think they're reading this, Chris. Oh yeah, readership. This is yeah. a podcast. Um, listen, <laughs> listenership? Is it listenership? Listenership. I think people would probably just say audience. Um, oh, audience. Okay, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I was listening to a true crime podcast earlier today. Um, my favorite murder. It's one of my favorite podcasts of all time. And they kept forgetting the word for evidence, and I was dying laughing because I'm like, that is something that I would do just like the most basic word that you need to know to have the podcast you keep forgetting that is so something that I do all the time like I just have total I think it's called ataxia like when the word just like just disappears from your mind but once I was like opening the refrigerator and was looking in the the fridge and I was like it's in the and the word for refrigerator just like totally left my mind and I couldn't get it back it was gone which is hilarious to me because <laughs> like teaming up with you, like you might forget the word for fridge, but a second later you're like, which is quite fascinating from a, you know, an intellectual level on the obsolescence of, you know, and you're like, yeah. like going, uh, like using this like elevated and obscure diction, but then you're like, and then the baggy. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the thing. That's the crazy thing is like, I write like poems and have a really long, large 
really long vocabulary. Wow. <laughs> it's a very, we have a readership and a long vocabulary. <laughs> I have a lot of words. I have the best words. Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> like I do have a really large vocabulary. I just often forget when is the best time to use it when I'm speaking in the moment, usually because my anxiety is screaming a lot of other sub thoughts and subplots that end up making me a lot less eloquent in speech than I am when I can actually write which I think is one of the reasons why I like writing so much is because I can just like pick the pieces of my brain that make sense and like flush all the Allisonisms out of the to- like out of the toilet down the toilet positions yes. <laughs> what are they like I also well, every I think enough like we with the uh, audience, I think it's just kind of fun to point people to potential games they can play while listening. And one of them is to yeah, point out that every, games, every, if you want. every single episode, you drop a great potential memoir title. And this this one yeah. would be subthoughts and subplots. <laughs> yes, that's I think that perfect. Would be a great I mean, mem- I think that's going to be a poem title for sure. I mean, it has to be. I love be. it. Um, also... Just for the record, Chris, I think we are almost 27 minutes in, and I think we've probably only spent about five of them talking about festivals. So to our dear uh, readership slash audience, uh, we are sorry. <laughs> we will resume talking about festivals in just a okay. moment. <laughs> and three, two, one. So for me, costumes, um, I, I <laughs> yeah, we're going with it. So um, actually, I, I don't, I'm the same with you. I really don't like costumes i never know what to wear and i also feel like uh i i don't know i just i just get a strange feeling the moment i have it on like that's why i hate halloween and we can talk about halloween on another episode but i'm like the only good costume i ever came up with for halloween was one year i was like i had to go to a party and i was gonna go anyways and i was like you know what i gotta come up with something at at least to show up here because it was one of those parties where you knew everyone was gonna go kind of like really over the top and I couldn't show up there without something. So I just, I just put on like a really nice outfit and then I found a sash and wrote the word apology on it. And I went as a formal apology and I thought, uh, I thought that was clever, um, oh, but I don't know lovely. if that's, I like that. yeah, My... I thought it was good, but yeah, you know. no, that is clever. My best Halloween costume was when me and my sister dressed up as sister wives, like the Mormon polygamists. We both wore like really high necked white shirts with very long beige shirts. And we were also literally sisters. So that was probably the best because I went through like a really ill-advised vintage phase where like I was trying to be like cool and hip and like New York City bitch, but um, it just like didn't jive at all with who I am so I had like all these like very weird like oh look how cute and vintage this is but it just made me look extremely like matronly so I actually had it all in my closet and didn't have to spend a dime on it which made it the perfect Halloween costume so we lasted talking with festivals for about 45 seconds um okay, and then maybe uh, because we both don't like them that's why we keep resisting. Well, this it. is true. Well, he, so I guess we should well, to, to actually. Like that, I do. I was gonna say I do. I do, I do like festivals in the right context. I don't like the big, like high, um, overproduced 
like for, for me, all the big festivals have sort of converged into the same, they, they just all replicate each other. It's the same experience yeah. replicated over and over and over again with the same groups and the same bands. And um, it's, it's just this giant overproduction that makes me like, ugh, like it, I find it nauseating. However, there are some festivals I really, really like. Like I went to a music festival in Serbia called the Exit Festival, which was a, it's Petrarden Fortress in Novi Sad. And it's like 32 different stages with different artists and different things going on all the time. And so it was really great because there was the big stage where everybody went. And then there were all these little stages. So whenever I felt like the crowd was getting too big or whatever, I just had this great opportunity to wander. So it was like this beautiful thing for me because I went to the I went to the festival on my own um, just because I was 19 and like, well, you know, like experience or like 20 years old or whatever. And it was awesome. I really, really loved it actually. But it was because there were so many different options. I didn't feel trapped or I guess powerless, you could say. Um, but I think a lot of that was being able to navigate crowds on my own terms. My guess is, and I think you brought it up as part of your quartet before, that it's the crowds in part that make it so anxiety inducing for you. Fair for to say? For sure. For sure. Like crowds. And I don't have like total claustrophobia, but um, when I am already anxious, crowds exacerbate my anxiety times like a hundred. And I just get this urge that's like, I must get to the periphery. It's like I just need to like swim through the human bodies to get to the periphery and then I will be okay. Like I can handle a crowd if I'm on the edge of the crowd, but if I'm in the thick of it, I don't know. It just really, I start to think like if I have a panic attack right now, what will happen? And then I start to catastrophize and then sometimes I do start to panic. So yeah, crowds and me are not great. Although I've, I live really close, relatively geographically speaking, to Novi Sad, and I love Serbia. I've been four times. It's like it neighbors Bulgaria, so it's quite easy to go to. And I've been thinking maybe I would go to the Exit Festival one of these years, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this year is not the year. No. <laughs> No. And the yeah. Exit Festival, I should say, just for people interested, like it's cool because you don't use actual money. Like you buy coins and there's just a whole like really interesting sort of barter thing going on. It's really cool. But I, I really enjoyed my time there so much more than I could have at somewhere like Bonnaroo. Yeah. Well, Serbia just does everything 10 times cooler than anywhere else. Like it's just like they just know how to be cool. It's like their greatest talent is just being cool. Yeah, it's a very cool spot, very cool country. The one thing that just came to mind for me, one thing that came to mind for me when you were talking is just that the, the and it's just something I wanted to point out because I figured it was a good opportunity to do so, so I shall, uh, was when you were talking about the whole notion of catastrophizing. And it's so funny because when you're, or not funny at all, but like when you're in a crowd or something like that, it, the way you were describing it, it's like, it's like a thought comes to your mind and you're like, you're like, Oh, wow. Like I really shouldn't panic about this. And it's like, yeah, I won't panic about this. And like you plan to see it and you're like, yeah, yeah. No need to panic about that. And then it becomes, you start to like, be like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. And then you're like, and I'm panicking, I'm panicking about it. And now it's real for me. And now I'm panicking about it. You know, like it, yeah. it's funny how these, like at first in your head, you're almost objectively able to name it. You're like, that's panic. And that's ridiculous. And I'm definitely not going to actually pay attention to that thought. And then within a minute, the thought's like, 
overrunning your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense at all? It's a very, it is. It's like, it's a very suggestible thought. You know, you have a thought, it plants the seed and then the seed turns into like a Venus flytrap monster that wants to eat everything, (laughs) including your face. And, um, (laughs) Yeah, I've been playing a video game where there's like a visual like that. So like, I think that's just like, that just like popped into my head. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, I find the crowds are really a lot. And then also with the music as well, I really struggle with noise and just like general sensory overload. I don't like the sensation of having multiple inputs um, because it's like I have like my brain track, I have the music track, I have people around me talking track, and then like occasionally people trying to interact with you track. That's like four tracks. I can only handle two. And one of them is always going to be my anxiety brain. You know what I mean? So it's like, I can only handle anxiety brain plus one other stimulus. But like, okay, so like, back to my list of top 10 most hated things would be like, someone watching a YouTube video while also watching a movie at the same time. Like people who do that are fucking insane. So we are very different um, actually, (laughs) because I, I love, I love the amount of different inputs and noise going on. And I alluded to this in previous episodes before I like to like, I feel like a lot of the time, especially with festivals and especially if it's the right energy and something I really appreciate like maybe a smaller town festival, an off-color festival or something that's a little bit different, but like just a vibe that I can actually tap into. I really do feel like I'm plugging into that energy and I and I love it. So I'm fine to take the energy from all angles. I, it doesn't bother me whatsoever to have 74 things going at once. And, and in fact, like when I was a kid, like I the only way I could study was like if I had sports on and music, like I was watching sports with volume and I'd have music on. And sometimes I'd be like uh, preparing when I was a like, really young kid, I'd be preparing for spelling, spelling like bees. I don't even know what you call them, like spelling, spelling whatever. Bees. Sure. Spelling bees or whatever. And the way or that I couldn't tests. just sit. Yeah. So or spelling tests. I couldn't actually, the way my brain's like, work I couldn't actually sit down there and know what I knew until I was a little distracted and my mom would ask me so I would play video games and my mom would be like spell this word and I would be <laughs> playing video games spelling the word <laughs> and that's the way I knew I had it because I knew that I was like I had that knowledge in there so it's just interesting but that very much ties into the whole ADHD side of uh, of my brain like I crave that noise if it's the right noise, like yeah. certain noises that I don't like, you know, like for example, if like, I don't know, horrid screeching birds were flying over, I wouldn't be like, oh, I love that. You know, like that's, that's a great seventh noise to add to this. a cacophony of bird life. <laughs> yeah. A cacophony of cause. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, I, I like that again. I mean, again, we're getting band names and memoir titles all over the place. All that to say for, for me, and, and this is, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of ADHD, but noise has a tremendous effect on the way that I process and, and navigate spaces. Like when, yeah. I, when I go into my office in the morning, I turn on two, a little lamp that goes behind that makes a small buzzing noise that I appreciate. I turn on like an air filter that's like, 
I have the windows open where I can hear construction and I play music. Yeah, your office sounds like my hellscape. Like that is the soundtrack <laughs> of my personal hell. We have like some construction noise going out and we have like a playground like in the courtyard below us, which is like, it's one of those things. There's always something when you move that you're like, oh, well, there's this. This could be a problem, but it's not going to be that big of a problem, right? Wrong. We just hear <laughs> children just screaming bloody murder like for probably two hours a day if the doors are open. Um, <laughs> so like I am very susceptible to sound and I think it's because we talked a little bit um, in the last episode, I believe, about how I kind of I'm not officially diagnosed ADHD, but I veer sort of towards some of the some of the symptoms, I suppose, and very much on the in, like inattentive side of the spectrum where it's incredibly difficult for me to pay attention and really difficult for me to focus and actually put my mind to something. And so all those different stimuli, it really creates a sensory overload in me that just makes me kind of like shut down almost and just like want to just sort of like leave to protect myself. And uh, yeah, I don't really last long at music festivals. Like I've actually only been to two and neither were particularly great. Um, the first music festival that I like truly went to was um, Governor's Ball in New York on Randall's Island. And it started off with literally I couldn't even get to the island because we were going by boat and there was a tropical storm and like we couldn't even get to the freaking island. And um, Feist was almost electrocuted on stage and they canceled the rest of the day. So <laughs> that was day one. <laughs> um, day two, uh, I went and it was so so muddy like I had like water shoes it was so muddy from the torrential rain that like everywhere you walked it was squelching and like it was squelching so much that it would literally like take the shoes off of my feet like it was just like and <laughs> do you like my love- my voice acting skills like- <laughs> I, really, I really did and I love the word squelching too I, I really appreciate that word it's one of those yeah. I, I, ad- I adore words that are sort of like onomatopoeic that they exactly. they they reflect the actual meaning of the exactly. word. I, I love words like that. So oh, yeah. I'm so happy to use that word. Pretty much I couldn't go anywhere without squelching. And so moving around the festival was pandemonium. It was terrible. It was so <laughs> dirty. And I'm not a germ freak at all. Like I really don't care about but it was it was just so gross feeling, you know, and like it, it was cold and wet and it, it all smelled really bad. And like I could see all these porta potties and then I got convinced that it was like overflow from the porta potties, <laughs> even though I knew it was just like rain from the tropical storm. And I just like couldn't even really like enjoy the festival that much. So on the third day, I just straight up just didn't go. So I paid like three hundred dollars for a three-day festival that I attended for about five hours. So, you know, just put that in the column of just Allison just lighting money on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love that column. <laughs> it's, a very, it's a very, very full column, as opposed to Allison makes a positive financial decision column, which is very light. But I, but you know what? It, that this, all of the decisions are are the same reflection of understanding that, 
like essentially you paid money on the third day to avoid the anxiety you knew would be there waiting exactly for you. and that's the thing that i've really come to learn is that uh when it comes to preserving my own comfort i will pay a lot of money to not do things that i don't want to do exactly because <laughs> like, you're frugal in other aspects yeah. of your life you that you like literally i've just from listening and editing episodes and things like that like i've come to the conclusion which i know to be true at this point <laughs> That like you are very frugal and decisive and responsible in your financial decision making on the macro level so that you can make micro decisions that you don't have to feel shame and guilt about because exactly. you've done done the right job on a bigger scale. Exactly. You've nailed it. It's like I want to be able to occasionally light money on fire if it means getting the fuck out of a situation I don't want to be in. So I just like don't do other things, but that it's easy to not do other things when almost everything makes you anxious. So that's so this a, is, and <laughs> that's a this is where we're like this is where we're like very yeah exactly and this is where we're like very different in that like when I go to a festival and I'm like really enjoying myself there. Well, even if I like don't love it, I'll like try and seek out pockets that I think I will like. But on the whole, like I can. I can usually, at least at this point in my life, I can really suss out what I will and won't drive with. And so if I'm going to a festival, I'll try and make the most of it. And so this causes problems in two ways because I'm like so deliberate in trying to make the most out of it that two things will happen. One, I will, for some reason, like when there's, when there's, there's like four stages and having to make a decision about one, I'm like, it's debilitating for me to choose. There's often two people where I'm like, oh my gosh, I just don't know which show will be better, you know? And then I go to one stage and think about the other stage. <laughs> and and so I have to remind myself to be really present and not think about something else because sometimes the schedule overwhelms me. So I'll be at an event and there will be like this, it's like literally like the finale of an artist who I've wanted to see forever. And like, I should be fully paying attention. But in my mind, I'm like, in 12 minutes at this stage, this artist starts who I don't even like as much. But in my head, I'm just <laughs> like, but I, I got to see it all, you know? And that comes from my, some of my underlying stuff of like trying to see and do it all, even though I'm one person. Yeah, you have a lot of FOMO. I have JOMO, which is the joy of missing out. I like, I wish I had some Jomo. I still have a lot of FOMO. This period of like actually the the whole quarantine period, which we've like deliberately not talked too, too much about because everyone else is being blasted by it by all sides has taught me a little bit of the joys of Jomo. But I'm sure if I was at a festival, I'd feel FOMO. And like, I remember at Bonnaroo, for example, like I saw like 10 artists back to back grabbed food, grabbed whatever, 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 whatever. And like, I think I got back to my tent at like five o'clock in the morning. And then like, I slept for a couple hours in a hot tent and then like got back up at seven to be like, what else am I doing? Like, like, even though, I mean, do you know what? That's when I was a fair bit younger. I think I'd be more responsible now, but when there's so much, so many options available to myself, I can often just that that can be overwhelming and I want to do it all. And then I will do it all and be like, why did I do it all? And it's, and, uh, and so that can be a little bit in, intense at times, but um, I don't know. I haven't gone to a festival in a little bit, but I would like to go. I, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, I really like, I really like small town festivals that have like a nope. really clear aim and, nope. and they, f no, no, nope, nope. I don't because in small town festivals, 
you're like expected to like converse like at least at a large festival (laughs) no one really you know is gonna really start much of a conversation with you and if like they are you can just like you know be like i'm listening to the music you fuckhead like stop but like at a small town festival it's all about the conversations and like i'm sorry i'm sure your craft is beautiful but like i don't want to talk to an artisan about their like hand woven basket technique because I'm going to feel like compelled to buy something that I don't want or need you know what I mean like I feel like there's like a weird pressure weird conversation obligations and it just ends up making me feel super obligated which is another anxiety sensation that I experience a lot that I hate is this feeling of like there is this thing that I am socially obligated to do that I have zero desire to be a part of but just like walking away from this right now will make me seem like a devil person. So I need to just like pretend to be a human and have this conversation with you. So that's my issue with small town festivals. I'm not a fan. So, and I'm the opposite. And then I can just, you know. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I like, I love um, what I call like heartfelt creativity, like little honest stories of people who have, just created something from nothing and like I'm that made um, me cringe. Like Yeah, no. I know. I'm a real I'm like a real sucker for like I really like listening to people's stories and how they created different things. And I feel like my biggest problem with festivals is when they're showcasing something which is not unique to that place. So I can totally appreciate going to I think my parents go a lot to like the Perth Garlic Festival and something like that. And there's locally grown garlic and all these garlic products and so on. And I really like a local festival because I feel like, especially if it's a festival that's showing something that couldn't be held elsewhere. Yeah. Like, I, you know, like a music festival, it's very dependent on the bands and the location. But yeah. in this case, like, I really like, I like it when it's like, obviously my, my central problem or the thing that makes me like anxious about it being worth it or not is the authenticity factor. Like, is this just a replication of something you think I'll like, or is this something cool, which is on, which is unapologetic and that I might like by chance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That I can get a little more behind. Like I'm thinking more like crafts fair kinds of festivals, but like in Bulgaria, every January they have a really cool festival called Serva. Um, It's like a dates back to sort of like a, pagan tradition throughout the Balkans of getting dressed up in like very like monster like costumes and wearing a lot of bells and dancing to scare away like evil spirits and welcome in spring sorry to all Balkan dwellers who have just like eviscerated your your story with a very quick two sentence uh uh explanation but that's pretty much what I understand it to be um and it's super cool because people from like all over the country come to Pernik, which is just outside of Sofia, to host the the biggest festival and you get to see all of the costumes, which are really ornate and usually made of like really interesting materials, like hunted materials, like deer antlers and pheasant feathers and all sorts of really interesting things. It's a little macabre actually, but it's in a really cool way. And it, you can tell it's like a tradition that's been held for so long like it's it just has continued for so long and that I think is super cool however I can still only last about a couple hours at that festival and I went uh last year 
twice and the first day it was it was all right you know I had a good time and the second day my husband wanted to go back again and I just like I didn't want to go from the get-go I was like dreading it the whole time and we had to leave early and then this year got canceled and I was uh secretly super psyched about it because I didn't want to have to deal with it again because it was something cool to experience once I don't know that I like need to be like an annual serva attendee you know but there's there are some festivals which I I feel like are like this is me again with this like we're a real nice mixture because you're like eh, no and I'm like but <laughs> and and I and I, and so for me the festival I think of as being like I don't know just really amazing was the Istanbul Tulip Festival so mm-hmm. when when the spring rolled around after what was really a very mild winter uh, <laughs> compared to Canada the the tulips were just everywhere and then they would especially in sultanahmet the historic old historic area they'd create these large like turkish rugs almost made it with tulips like it was incredible oh, and then cool. and then there was uh I, I can't remember if it's emergon park there's a park that has like it's just the most tulips i've ever seen and i also went to the tulip festival in ottawa and actually i won an award for for the article i wrote about it because i was talking about uh, the connection of I'm not this is going to be like perhaps a strange history lesson that nobody per- cares about um, but maybe they will the origin of the tulip festival in Ottawa comes from when in World War II the Canadian government took in the princess and and and, ha- and we like kind of sort of made sure she was protected in Ottawa and after the war she went back to the Netherlands and as a gift we were gifted all these tulips which were which were it was written would be given to us every year and so each year ottawa's flooded with tulips as a thank you from the dutch government and it's a it's a festival that continues on to this day that's kind of cool i really like tulips because i hate winter and so tulips to me are like it's over it's fine you made it another year so I can kind of get behind a tulip festival. We found your actually, festival, Allison. Yeah. We found your festival. There are a ton of festivals in Bulgaria, actually. Some of which I'm like, I'm like hesitantly, tentatively interested in. Like the Lavender Festival and the Rose Festival. Basically floral themed festivals could potentially be, <laughs> could potentially be nice and not incredibly triggering because... It's about flowers, and I don't speak the language, so there's no risk of small talk. Um, <laughs> it seems like a pretty, all things considered, it seems like a pretty safe space for me. Obviously, those are all like summer festivals happening like right now, so they probably uh, won't be things that I'm doing this year, but perhaps for next year, I will attend a festival or two. Um, but overall, not a big fan. Definitely music festivals are like a huge, huge nope. Um, small town like themed festivals are a big nope. Um, it's like larger festivals that have like a cultural significance like Serva or like the Tula Festival are a maybe renaissance festivals are a hard pass and food festivals (laughs) i can i can fuck with a food festival like 
you know it's just kind of like you get your food and then you like walk away it's like a transaction it's like an outdoor transaction i can handle those yeah yeah you go and eat i actually i like food festivals a lot but i will say that i have an enormous appetite and even even then like i feel like a really like a, a gluttonous individual by the end of those festivals i've eaten like 74 variations of mac and cheese and they're getting so, like they're get so out of hand you know it's just yeah. like have you tried the mac and cheese that's you know that's covered in small you know bits of lobster with a light chardonnay wine poured on you at the same time and you're like <laughs> what why are you pouring wine on me they're like it's like nowhere else it's the only mac and cheese stand that pours wine on you and you're like i this is out of hand yeah this is truly it's like hand. it's like smorgasburg and williamsburg where it's like they just kept trying to do more and more like ridiculous things for instagram like the ramen burger i'm like no one asked for that no one wanted a ramen burger like not even not even a high person wanted a ramen burger like why why did you create this like this yeah i I don't know i never eat one maybe it's actually great but I never actually went to Smorgasburg because I hate lines. And that's something we actually didn't address except in the question at the beginning. But like the lines involved at larger festivals are a huge, a huge, huge, huge um, detractor for me. It's just something I just do not abide. I am not patient. I don't enjoy waiting. I find that very few things are worth waiting for in life, um, and especially food and drinks. Like, I will just rather make my own and not wait. <laughs> so I have a um, a small philosophical thought that I just got from that, and I totally agree with you about the lines, but I think, and this might just be a great overstatement and not at all true, but I think that part of the reason, I mean, people hate lines in general, of course, but I think there's another level to it for people with anxiety, because at least for me, and I think a lot of people, a lot of friends I have with anxiety and, and this, that, and the other, they stress about the idea of not being an individual, you know, and then being a big sheep, you know, and just like following along and not yeah. having autonomy and all this kind of stuff. And I feel like you can't possibly avoid <laughs> the notion that like, you and every single other person in the world thought this was going to be a really cool idea. And now you're like in the back of this line, you're like, Oh my gosh, am I a sheep? Am I like, am I, do I have unique thoughts? And everybody else just kind of brushes it off and like, well, this is fine. I'll just talk to the person beside me. But I think with anxiety can feel kind of like, you're kind of just like, well, why am I even here? Like, I don't know. I think for, at least for me, there are, there's always undertones to the way that I feel about things and probably same for everybody else. But specifically with the line, if the line's too big, I just kind of feel like, well, if there's this many people here, am I, am I even original anymore? You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Another thing I struggle with, with lines is like, I just like struggle with my own, like, physicality like my own existence and that is magnified when I stand like standing is one of the most painful physical sensations for me not because there's anything actually wrong with me but there's just something about standing that I find excruciating and so standing in a line especially if I'm alone and like I don't have a friend to sort of take my mind off of the standing 
like I think a lot of people who have anxiety also have issues with chronic pain probably because we're like always like flight or fight tensing up all of our muscles and like reducing or releasing all of this like lactic acid at all times just like preparing to like bolt and um so pretty much like I just always feel like stiff and sore and shitty all the time and I notice that a hundred times more when I'm like standing in a line that seems to never move. I'm just become super aware of my body and how much I hate being in it sometimes. And, <laughs> and <laughs> very light, just a very casual thought, you know? Yeah. I mean, isn't this a perfectly normal thing to think when you're waiting in line? Like <laughs> I hate being in my body. <laughs> Let me unzip this skin suit. And just, yeah. So- you know, scatter over there. <laughs> so, but, someone else is just like, hey, Allison, do you find it like a little bit warm? And you're like, no, I'm fine. Inside, you're like, get me out of the body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. And I don't know why. And I find it the same way. We'll talk about public transport on another episode. We're basically just revealing our whole lineup. So, you know, sorry if you hate <laughs> spoilers. Um. But yeah, like when I, whenever I have to stand on a form of public transportation, it feels catastrophic. And I became, when I lived in New York, I became like adept at scanning the subway car, identifying like where the possible seat would be and then making a beeline for it and getting the seat and then checking to make sure that I didn't like steal it from someone who actually like needed it. But I became really adept at just like creeping into that, that seat, you know, and And and, and yeah, a, and ensure, ensuring that nobody aboard the aboard the train was wearing a costume, of course. Of course. Oh God, I have so much to say about public transport. We can't. We can't go there now. Okay. We can't. Yeah. We Let's can't. back up. We're, we're gonna tiptoe backwards from that. So I I I think we've covered a pretty broad array of things, and we're just kind of walking or tiptoeing forwards again towards the one hour mark of the podcast. Shout out to all those still listening. We love you. What other aspects did you want to talk about with the festival culture? I mean, I'm fascinated by this because a lot of the things that we agree on some of the things, but a lot of the things are just very different for me. Like I really, I genuinely enjoy the idea of festivals. I love trying new things. I love the, like, especially like a wine or a beer festival where I can use apps to track kind of almost cheat and try like 25 new wines or beers in a day or something something like that like that makes me giddy or, or trying like trying that sheer volume like I often feel like I'm an incomplete encyclopedia and I'm just trying to gather as much knowledge <laughs> as I can and like festivals are a hack I'm like I'm gonna see 10 bands today and try you know what I mean and yeah, it's very no, that actually makes a lot of sense yeah um, it's very little kiddish yeah like if you can if you can handle the stimulation I think that's awesome um and I agree about like wine and beer festivals in general like food festivals I do like the the sampling aspect of it but like in general I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, if you created two alternate timelines and one is a COVID free Coachella and the other is continuing to just be in my Sophia apartment, I would choose the Sophia apartment. Like that's how much I hate music festivals. Like assuming that I I had to return to the everyone else timeline. Are you, are you following? Does this make any sense? Um, 
Uh, I would like you to elaborate on the everyone else timeline. Okay, um, so like we're all existing on this coronavirus timeline currently, right? Mm-hmm. Every single person is dealing with it or pretending it doesn't exist depending on your government and where you are. And level of intelligence. Yes. <laughs> um. So if I was suddenly given two options, one being to continue on my timeline or the option to be to quickly hop to another dimension go to a COVID free Coachella mm, and gotcha. then eventually return to the normal timeline. I would not choose to take that detour. I would just stay on this current timeline. That is how much I hate festivals that like, I would not even enjoy the novelty after four months of quarantining. Has it been four months? I don't even fucking know how much time has passed. A I was lot gonna of say, time. It's been, it's been a lot of time. It's been a lot of time. Yeah. I still would not go to like a Coachella type festival. Just, it would I, not I, do you know what? I agree with you though. I agree with you that I agree with you about the Coachellas and Bonnaroo's and the big festivals that are nothing more than giant advertisements veiled as something actually interesting, which are yeah. tapping into the whole notion of, you know, the whole like Woodstockification of things where Woodstock was legitimately this countercultural interesting movement that showed something interesting. And there's like an underlying ethos and message there that I really respect. And then now it's like people are trying to corporatizing cash in on that which is a common trend in all of our society and if i don't stop talking soon i'm going to become a giant curmudgeon so i will pull <laughs> you're going to just that, turn into bernie sanders which probably. I, mean, I, I celebrate like i was going to say like i feel that. like that would be if we're looking at alternate universes that's a pretty good one too to turn to bernie yeah. but, but i think my point being that i do actually think there are some festivals which are wonderful and bring a lot of light to for, for me that i look forward to and i love having events on the horizon to get me excited and i also kind of feel like there are it can be tiring but there are some occasions which i really i like really appreciate what's going on and i just buy in 100 percent. and for me that can be like a book festival where it's like a day of authors coming in, like Canadian authors who I might not know. And I get a chance to speak to people who have done a lot of things that I'm deeply fascinated by. And like, I just feel like a little kid again with the curiosity that I can go and explore something like that. And I feel like festivals that are small and niche and really can really offer me something like, and, and now that I'm like, kind of like speaking at some of those kinds of festivals too, or events or conferences or whatever, those things I like, I get like a measurable joy out of they can be tiring because I kind of like rise to this place of being like, I'm going to do everything and see everything and do everything, you know, and all this kind of stuff. But I would say that the, I, you know, as far as those big festivals go, it's not for me, but it took me some time to realize that. And like, that for me is part of, was part of growing up. I had to do that when I was 20 so that at 30, I could be like, hell no, that's not for me. But you know, in my case, I'm still like, but, but those, those festivals are. Yeah. I mean, I definitely liked festivals when I was younger. I went to, like, a bunch of raves. I went to, like, Electric Daisy Carnival and, like, you know, but that was that was 16-year-old Allison, you know? That, that, that you know, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed teenager is dead and buried by now. She's so. gone. <laughs> She's gone. <laughs> she stood too close to the speakers and her brain exploded and now she's a curmudgeon. And on that bright note, we're finished. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. See you but guys. Really. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was a lovely chat. I think that we probably only managed to stay on topic 40% of the time as opposed to like our usual 60% of the time. But mm-hmm. overall, I'm still I still think we got some good some good chat in and hopefully 
I mean, we really ran the gamut of different reactions <laughs> to festivals. So I think between you and me, someone anxious out there will find something that they can relate to, whether it's FOMO or uh, FOTOPE. Fear jo- of talking jo- to people. Or JOMO. <laughs> or JOMO. Any acronym. They'll find their acronym. Yeah. There's an acronym for you out there. That's the beautiful thing about this world. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? I think like I the way I think about our episodes, and this is like probably something that our readership slash audience slash whatever uh, probably don't care about or whatever, but like I, I really think about our episodes as like how many like kind of like smiles per you know episode did we did we like invoke or how many how many laughs did we get and and i think you know under all the laughter and our like bizarre and sometimes ridiculous conjecture i think there's there is some there's some takeaways and some fun things to remember but i think you know there's a reason we think of this as a humorous podcast about anxiety and it's a lot about fun and my cheeks hurt from laughing so my oh, only yeah. guess I'm is smiling a lot today this has been a fun one to record i hope you guys smiling. are enjoying yeah. yeah i hope you guys are enjoying listening to it it's always weird to know if my joy or like translates. my laughter yeah translates you know because like i had a lot of fun recording this episode i don't know how well that translates. But I think a lot of the reason why this podcast so far has been received quite well is because we're really enjoying making it, you know, yeah, like sure. not to toot our own horns too much or anything. I mean, burr, although, burr. yeah, although I do love praise, please praise me somewhere, <laughs> um, is that uh, we really have so much fun doing this. And I've just the process of speaking about this with you i've actually learned so much about myself in these like i think this is our 10th episode that we're recording actually or maybe it's our Mm -hmm. ninth but um i've really learned a lot about like myself my anxiety and like the different way that it manifests and stuff but really quick uh one thing that we didn't do is we didn't drop any like helpful tips for people who might have any anxiety surrounding festivals and this isn't something we always do because we're obviously like not experts we don't pretend to be a self-help podcast we have zero credentials in helping people help themselves but we do like to try to drop just like a few nuggets of wisdom about how to manage your anxiety around whatever the topic at hand is um i my main tip is just don't go um <laughs> that that usually solves the problem i have more upli- uplifting, <laughs> uplifting tips if um if you were waiting for a great tip from allison and then you just like your shoulders slouched into oblivion when she said that um, i can come in and save the day a little bit yes, i do. i i was just gonna say that i think that um and this is like kind of comes from my like, a little bit lame teacherly background but i think you know, listen to yourself. There are going to be some cases where you think I'm not going to like that and you won't, but I do think it's worth experiencing something because ultimately you'll, you know, as much as you might catastrophize something, you, you will learn from it as well. Like I can speak confidently about the festivals and the places and the ideas and the things I like to connect with because I've experienced a lot of things I didn't enjoy and didn't appreciate. And again, like can't really help but paint all this stuff into, into like a broader lesson. But I do think that I've really crystallized the things that I love because I understand the things that I don't love, but I 
probably wouldn't love the things I love as much if I hadn't have experienced those other things. And so it's not to say that you have to go and then stay because you paid. If you go and you're like, this isn't for me, I need to be out of here. And if, obviously as well, if you have like some really serious anxiety and you know that crowds aren't going to be your thing, well then, you know, you look really looking at the fest, what the festival involves, you know, and, yeah. and, and what that means for you. Right. Because like, you know, as much as I'm saying, kind of painting a narrative of like, give it a try and see, well, there are going to be some cases where, you know, if you really have a lot of anxiety around crowds, then you should really aim for those smaller places. But I do think that in general, you know, connecting with people can be, can be pretty special. And for me, really anxiety reducing. And uh, sometimes for me, it helps to go to a festival because I can get caught in my own narrative really, really heavily. And it's, uh, it's fun to sometimes go somewhere and connect to something larger than myself. And I feel like festivals, if they're the right kind of festival, can really inspire me to um, just get out of my own head for a day and meet some new people. And, and I think I kind of always feel like I'm only kind of like one idea or thought away from changing my perception permanently and going to places like festivals, like for books or whatever, even for me, like that could be going to a small town festival where a woman makes her own honey. And I'm like, I'm really tired of living in the city and I'm like, you know, whatever it is. And she's just like, Oh, I like, I have like, I take care of all these bees and it's really therapeutic. Like maybe that, I, that plants an idea in my head. And like when I'm, you know, 64, like I'm like the King beekeeper in Ontario. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I like that. I like that notion that one day of experiencing something like that can have an indelible impact on me. Does that I, make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I think I just don't give things like as much of a chance. I'm a very guarded person. If you haven't already gathered. Not at all. I didn't that. notice that. I didn't notice that at all. Um, so yeah, like if you are someone like me who like tends to keep your your guard up, festivals, they are all about openness, quite literally, like you're outdoors, you're out amongst a lot of people, you're being exposed to like so many different things, which can be great if you have an open mind. And I try to keep an open mind, but at the same time, it's really hard sometimes with anxiety when you're like mentally wired to think that everything is going to go wrong to override that and then just be like this is all fine I'm trying new things outside with people I don't know um but I think the main thing that's important is like it is important to try to push yourself out of your comfort zone with heavy like backup plan or strategy in place and so for example my husband really loves festivals and I hate them and always disappoint him. And we decided to, um, mostly because he wanted to, no, 100% because he wanted to attend the Bansko Jazz Festival uh, last summer in uh, Bansko in Bulgaria. And to that, I was like, okay, that is like the last thing on earth I want to do. But what our compromise was like, we picked like a hotel that had like a little like spa and pool area and it wasn't very expensive. It wasn't like a five star hotel, but it just like there was a place where I could retreat to where it was like too much, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. it's important to have your your plan of retreat when you're pushing yourself past your comfort zone at the same time if you're someone who tends to like panic like I do like I have I don't have super frequent panic attacks but they do happen like occasionally 
um, kind of, it really comes and goes frequency wise. I can go like a couple years without having one and then suddenly I'll just have like a spate of them. And so for me, having a history of panic attacks, I always want to know like what my like retreat option is, like how to get out of the situation. And so sort of planning for that, like here's how I leave, here's where I go if I need to leave. Here, you know, I've already accounted for this in my plan when I bought the ticket or booked the accommodation. So if I do need to leave, it's not wasted money because I knew this going into it that this might not be the right thing for me. And the it was good. I invested in taking a chance. You know what I yeah. mean? Like for me, that's kind of how I view things as I, I like to have like plans like A, B, C, D, and possibly even E um, to avoid all of the potential like helplessness, powerlessness scenarios in which you can find yourself really spiraling if you have anxiety. So that is my slightly more helpful tip. Yeah, that's more, <laughs> it's probably more helpful than my like, just go for it. But I, I also wanted to point out as well that this is kind of where we differ. And I want to, you know, fully just like acknowledge that like social anxiety is not the thing that plagues me. And, and in fact, the, it's the opposite. Sometimes like I can get so excited and involved in the situation that I kind of just like dive in and, and, you know, that can have its own consequences and things like that. And that's kind of because of my anxiety to make sure I'm making the most of everything and, and so on and so forth. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be the expert. Like, I think your tip is going to be a lot more helpful or maybe our, each of our tips is, is helpful for different reasons, but I appreciate having a different voice to encapsulate that more because you know, one thing we talk pretty frequently about is that there are different shades and flavors of anxiety. Even the label of anxiety is pretty inadequate in thinking about there are some 100% of commonalities in the ways that we think about things and conceive of things, but there are also some differences. So I'm happy we can offer some of those differences. So Chris, important question, important mm -hmm. enough to interrupt. Sure. What is the shade and what is the flavor of your anxiety? If you had to, if you had to describe your anxiety in both a hue and a flavor. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, the shade will probably a uh, a nondescript gray. <laughs> okay. The, is, is the shade of my anxiety because I I think for me anxiety is. Uh, it often detracts from the color that I want to be seeing in my life. So I would say, I think of anxiety oh, as being that's a, very, that's very beautiful. That's yeah, very I know. Poetic. I know. I panicked when you asked me that question and here we are. And, <laughs> and then the flavor? the flavor, flavor, I'm not going to have as good an answer, but uh, I think if I was going to give it a flavor, I'd say anxiety kind of tastes bitter to me because it's something I don't want to be tasting, but I have to acknowledge I'm tasting it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, because yeah. um, I'm just going to go ahead and ask myself that question. Um, <laughs> so, Allison, thanks, what do thanks you for think? Asking, thanks for asking, Chris. I really appreciate that you want to know more about me and that this isn't all about you. Um, the color would definitely be like a really deep beet red because most of my anxiety revolves around like embarrassment because mostly my anxiety is like social anxiety um flavor um i don't know i pecan I actually no, <laughs> yeah I, I actually mostly asked you this question because last week we were joking around and like for some reason i got like obsessed with the word ube like the <laughs> purple yam flavor 
<laughs> I really wanted to say that my flavor is ube, but just I don't think it really it. is. I just want to say ube, so just fuck it. It's ube, you know? It's, like, <laughs> it's a little sweet. It's a little weird looking at first. You're not sure if you're going to like it, but you kind of <laughs> take it anyway, and you kind of you kind of dig it after a while. It grows on you, and you're like, you know what? I think I could eat some more ube pancakes. So my shade... <laughs> My shade is beet red and my flavor is ube and um yeah, fuck it. I respect that. I like your answer. I like both of our answers. That if there was ever a way to illustrate the differences within us, <laughs> I think that would that would definitely be it. I love it though. Um okay, so we always kind of end our episode the same exact way because consistency is key in combating anxiety and uh, we want to mm-hmm. leave that because our episodes are so wildly erratic we want to make sure we start yes. in the same way. so let's just to pretend you may like not know where a... we're going we definitely don't know where we're going but you can be sure that we will start and end roughly the same way I picture like a start and then like moving forward, forward, left, right, left, right, right. And then like back to straight at the end. So I guess we'll just Yeah, just like the most insane driver's ad test ever. (laughs) (laughs) The most anxiety inducing driving test of your life. That is our episode. Pretty much at this point. Um, I was just going to say though, what I do appreciate with this, you were talking before about like learning a lot about yourself. And I've definitely learned that uh, for me, helplessness is huge. I didn't really realize that before about anxiety, that helplessness was big, but I'm enjoying this like, because I started the episode at a, a five or whatever. And I feel like I finished at like a three, you know what I mean? And that that's what feels yeah, great totally. for me. So I really hope that that's the same um, for other people. Um, but uh, where was a time earlier this week where you felt like you could pat yourself on the back or it could be today or it could be whenever when you feel like you should pat yourself on the back for something that, uh, you know, in this uh, bizarre connection and battle you have with anxiety that you felt <laughs> like, hey, I did all right with this. Yeah. Um, okay. So while I was babbling on in this episode about how much I love wine festivals and beer festivals and basically just like getting drunk to avoid people um i actually am doing a little alcohol detox in my life um basically i alluded to this in my previous in the previous episode but alcohol is just really not sitting well with one of the medications i take and it just kind of reached a point where I'm just really sacrificing like my quality of life by continuing to drink even if I'm drinking in moderation And so it's really hard for me because while I'm obviously not an alcoholic, I can stop drinking. It's not problematic for me to stop drinking once I've started on a given night. It is really habitual for me and it is like a really like calming ritual that sort of like numbs the anxious brain a little bit at the end of each night. And so habitually it's something that has been really hard to not have as part of my life um but I'm going on day four of not drinking I'm trying to do 90 days because I'm going to try to sort of shift around yeah I'm going to try to shift around my medication because it's not really working for me in a couple other ways as well um but yeah, I just I can't see myself being on a medication for the rest of my life. That means that I can't have a single glass of wine without waking up in the middle of the night to throw up. That's like not I don't think that's like mm-hmm. a, a side effect. I should necessarily be like, yeah, I'm fine with that. 
So I'm going to be reworking some of my medications with a doctor. So I figure 90 days will give me enough time to switch around uh, my antidepressants and figure out like what a better medication for me to take is. It'll give my body a time to just like get rid of all the alcohol that has been plying my system on a near daily basis since I was 18. And it also will just give me a chance to like clean slate, break the habitual reach for a glass of wine as soon as the feelings get too feely uh, kind Mm. of thing. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm a little scared, but I'm like announcing it publicly to a lot of people to kind of hold myself accountable um, because I don't like failing. So, um, but like one really random side effect of this is that um, I've discovered, so I've never had a sweet tooth in my life, like at all, just like occasionally I'll order dessert, but it's like really not something I like look forward to like at all. It's just like every now and then it'll be like once or twice a month, I'll get like a little sweet tooth and I'll have something sweet and then it'll hit the spot and much more of like a, give me like some fries and McNuggets, greasy food kind of thing. But since I stopped drinking, I have had like a sugar monster in my body. Like maybe all this time <laughs> that I thought I was addicted to alcohol, I was just like addicted to sugar. <laughs> and I've just been like raving mad for sugar to the point where like I was like ransacking our cabinets last night being like, I need to find stuff to make a strawberry shortcake. And then I realized that I could make like peanut butter cookies like really easily. And so I just made those like three ingredient peanut butter cookies and just like ate half a bar of chocolate while I was doing all of this. So like I fully accept that I will gain a little bit of weight and potentially give myself some diabetes in the process (laughs) of uh, weaning myself off of alcohol. But it's just, it's just funny because I've never had a sweet tooth in my life, really. Like, you know, just the occasional urge here or there. But I just spent, like, like almost $50 at the grocery store today. And, like, all I bought were, like, cookies and things like that. I was like, what the hell is wrong with me? Like, if I didn't know any better, I would think I was pregnant with how much, like, I'm obsessed with sugar right now but um yeah I'm just I want all the sugar in the world right now and because I can't drink alcohol so I've been like making like fun little mocktails like I made like a really really yummy like strawberry basil no hito today like you know just like some honey and water sparkling water so yeah I've just been trying to make drinking sugar fun and not drink alcohol so it's been a little difficult but I'm day four going for 90 days. I think around, yeah, around like there is actually, speaking of festivals, again, there is a festival that I really like, the Balkan Wine Festival, where they have all these different wine producers from all over the Balkans. And I just spoke with their um, PR person because we did some outreach with them uh, last year. And uh, they just rescheduled to like middle of September. So around then, I don't know if that is 90 days because like, you know, time is meaningless and whatever, but around then that would be a nice, like kind of like celebration point to, you know, really, um, actually now I'm looking at the clock. Yeah. That would be roughly 90 days. So I think the festival would kind of be like a nice re-entry point, assuming I can actually go and that, you know, there isn't a massive second wave and it's safe enough to go. That would be a nice re-entry point into drinking again is at 
a cute little Balkan wine festival, which was actually really lovely and one of my favorite festivals I've been to. Well, there you go. You do love festivals and love after all. So there you go. I love it. Mm, um, how many that times wasn't can I say quite love the in message, Chris. Yeah, I mean, I think we can all agree what you were saying there was that it was like a Grinch moment where like your heart grew five sizes and you were like, festivals! Um, but I, I should actually just take a moment and put the joking aside to say that I think that's wonderful. I think it's great to take a break. Um, I know for me personally that if I'm not controlling alcohol intake and monitoring it, um, it can definitely be a huge spur of anxiety for me. And uh, and I think taking a big break is just great Uh just to just to refresh, hit the refresh button a little bit. Um, I guess yeah. in thinking like about- reanalyze your relationship with it, you know, like instead of exactly. it being like such a habitual, like oh, this is just what I do at like seven p.m. You're just like mm-hmm. reframing the potential context, you know. And I've never really done that 100%. for more than like a month or two. Uh, so it'll be interesting to do it for a more extended period of time. I'm really hoping I can keep up with it, but I think I've like told enough people and gotten it in my head enough that like, this is something I'm going to do. So yeah. Anyway, what about you, Chris? What are you patting yourself on the back for this week? So, um, I think probably just, um, recognizing how good it was for me to be out in nature a couple weeks ago and just, um, making sure that I'm prioritizing that again. There's lots of little excuses that, that I came up with in my head for why I should stay in Toronto and work nonstop and all this kind of stuff. But thankfully there's a second voice in my head too. That's just like, no, no, this is all right. Like, <laughs> this is okay. You know what I mean? Like you can take this off and, um, it's not always a, a voice I listen to, which I, yeah. I think something we'll call the voice of reason. And so <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm patting myself on the back for listening to the voice of reason and um, for going to some of my favorite spots in the world and just uh, getting some a refresh that way. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So that's for me. Um, and hopefully uh, as well, we've, we've, we've got the Facebook group going. I'm hoping to pat myself on the back for that soon when we actually get that actually like launched, um, which we'll kind of do, I think probably in the coming days and maybe next week or whatever. So if you heard about it on the last episode, you haven't, and it's not live yet, it will be soon. Um, and yeah, it's I live. think that's it's just, no one's, no one's doing too much. Cause we have well, it's like, private still. It's still private. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was so we're not, we're not like bothered enough people. Okay. No, we're not, we're not, it's not that we're not popular. It's just that we're not life yet um oh we're exclusive we're not pariahs very exclusive yeah but i guess um if people want they can find us elsewhere in our channels my channels for those who don't know are uh, traveling mitch uh with one l or a lot of my brands i have a kind of a few things going on but that's a good place to find me and especially on twitter where would be a good place to find you my friend uh, you can occasionally find me on Instagram at Eternal Arrival, although I am uh, far more of a lurker, although I do respond to DMs. So if you want to give me a shout, I'm not super active there, but that is probably the easiest way to reach out to me if you want to just like shower me with praise and compliments mm-hmm. and definitely no constructive criticism. Um, that is, um, the best way to reach me. If you want to talk shit, you can find me on eternal arrival on Twitter. Cause I just don't check that unless I'm complaining about an airline and I'm not flying for a long time. So 
um, that's a really good place to flame me. So if you want to troll, that's the spot. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, that's all uh, fine and dandy. Um, I'm starting to get anxiety about the fact that this is an hour and 30 minutes. And if the page it's malfunctions, really that, uh, well, no, I'm not anxious about how long it is. I think this is a really good episode. I'm anxious by the fact that if for some reason the internet screws up or something happens, um, it's not going to save. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Um, we got to hit stop recording and make sure it saves um, to make sure the people can- Abort! Abort! Pierce, the, abort. pierce their ears off this. Okay, let's just yell abort and goodbye. Um, or just abort. <laughs> abort! 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 <laughs> abort! Bye! <laughs> Blast off! <laughs> 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 <laughs>